Paul Sloan here. Welcome to my podcast series where I talk to some people I know about the influences, turning points and lessons from their lives. So my guest today is an eminent former architect, Peter Black. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Paul. So can we start by me asking you when and where were you born? I was born um, in the 20th of August 1932 in Kings Road in Chelsea. But my father was a bricklayer my, from Scotland. My mother was a, uh, a waitress at Lyons Corner House. And she wasn't feeling very well and they lived in the world's end. And so she was getting her bus down to the hospital. And I actually was born on the bus. You were born day. on the bus? On the, yes. Uh, then, then we moved to Feltham, my parents and I, to Hanworth, where in the airfield. And we were living around the edge of the airfield. And all the Spitfires and Hurricanes in this airfield they used to fly from there, couldn't go in hangars because the Germans would just bomb the hangars. So they put them all around the edge of the, where, the end of the airfield. The houses were getting bombed, so we were evacuated, my sister and I. I was eight and my sister was six. And we were taken to King's Cross Station in London and told to get off the train in Leeds. We went there and someone met us, took us to a house. And for then the rest of the war, we were just moved around from one house to another one. I hardly ever went to school used to get beaten up at school when I did go there by pupils who didn't like people coming from the south. That, that went on, you know, throughout the war. When I did come back, they said, well, these children have to go to a grammar school. They have to, we have to go send them to a good school. And I was sent to Gunnersbury Grammar School, which is near Chiswick. Good as that sounds, when you haven't been to school, at least for four years, and anyway, you can hardly read or write, it's a disaster. So I went to Gunnersbury Grammar School and at the age of 14, I was so useless that I left and got a job in an office where I made the tea and scrubbed the floor. That went on until I got to my army days in, when I was 18 because we all had to go in the army for two years. So I went into the army. I was in the Royal Engineers from Aldershot where they had the barracks there. I was then promoted and sent into a bomb disposal unit and I was, Unexploded in, I was bombs. in charge of this, this unit. Only 32 people in it. I didn't do that many because there were that many. It's peacetime. But all of them that we found, since I was in charge, I did them all. And the rule is that two of you go to the near the bomb and, and, and the other mine and one you hand each other things and, and all the rest go away. One guy came to me and he said, I'm just about to leave the army now. And I haven't touched a bomb yet. You do every one of them. And these weren't very many, you know. And then he said, but you do them all. And I haven't done one. Can I do this one? And it, wasn't, it was a mine, not a bomb. And I said, no, I've got to do it. He said, oh, please let me do it. Please, please, please let me do it. So I said, okay, all right then. So I'll go with the others and the, my deputy here be with you and you do it. And well, we went out, we went away, got out the way and there was suddenly a flash and a bang. Uh, not certain even now what they did, but they blew themselves up and I went around and picked up bits of their body all over the ground. I got demoted and arrested for giving permission to let someone else do it when I should have done it. 
But um, that was one of that was one of the saddest moments of my life. So, how did you start in architecture? They said, "Well, you've got to have a library." So, so I dumped the truck, come dumped all the books on the floor, and I said, "Right, guys, let's get some shelves up and get the book books put in alphabetical order." So they said, "Right, let's all look for A." And some guy said, "I've got one," and I said, "What's that?" And he said, "Architecture." I said, "What's that?" I don't know. So let me read it. So I took it back and, f- and found out and we found out what it was. And that's how you got interested in architecture. And that's how I got interested in architecture because it was the first book. But it's yeah. But that more than that, I hadn't got any qualification to be able to get to a school. So I studied at evening school at Shepherd's Bush, Lime Grove School. How many nights a week did you do that? Five, for how long? Five nights a week for five years. And did you find that difficult? I would work all day, then go to evening school, and then go home. And that you would go to school Monday night, and they give you homework which you hand in on Wednesday, but Tuesday evening you were at school again, so you have to do some homework after getting home. You know, and the school finished at half past nine in Hammersmith. I used to get then to Hounslow and Hounslow down to Feltham, and it used to be, you know, ooh, half past ten. Say, get there home. I'd hardly had any anything to eat. My mother used to make me sandwiches, and then go down there, did this. And um, and then work to do this homework. But five years I did that. Got a job in an architect's office during the day. A, starting making tea and the rest of it. But I worked for three firms. Paolo Moyer, Norman and Dorban, and Scott Brownig and Turner. And that's the three I've only ever worked for. Um, I met my wife at, at um, Norman and Dorban. I met her there. We were working on Imperial College, designing the buildings. But I was a very, very junior guy. And she was the secretary to the architect who ran it all. And she said to me when I went in there, you've got to add up the stamp book. And I said, well, look, no, I am an architect. You do that. I'm just an architect. So she said, you've got to add up the stamp book. So I said, well, I'm not going to. So she got the book and threw it at me and hit me on my head. That's the first day I met her. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you get we've married? Been, we've been married 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> but then I studied architecture and got into these practices grew and grew and grew until I worked for Scott Brownrigg and Turner, which was a very large firm, and in the end being senior partner of 1,200 staff. And we designed things like airports all around the world. Baghdad, Basra, Erbil, Bahrain, Moscow, Harare, did Terminal 4 East Road, Terminal 2 Manchester, Glasgow Airport. Those were just the airports. And which of those did you work on? Which were you involved in? I did Terminal 4. Yes. And I worked in Dubai, in um, Baghdad, Basra and Erbil. Yes. And I did all those rows there. The office grew and we were building office blocks and things in London, very tall buildings, all works. Fantastic. Was sent to Dubai to go and get some work. Had been to Dubai once, that's all, and went there. I said, how do I go and find work? How do you get work when you're young and you're... So I went to the British Embassy and they said, well, we're having a little party tonight. Why don't you come to that? And we'll see if we can introduce you to some people. So I went to the party and was doing there and chatting away and chatted to some guy there, that Arab guy, chatted away. And he said, um, I think my boss would like to see you. I'll come and get you from your hotel tomorrow morning and drive you to my boss. So I was in there, a fairly cheap hotel in Dubai. He came down, got his car, then we went off. And we went through some big gates and we went down a great big drive and there was a vast building at the end. It was a building owned by the ruler of Dubai. I went there, 
and to any, they invited me back to an evening function. They have, they have, they have a majlis, which is a room with all the seats around the edge, and the ruler sits at one end, and everybody moves down one place at a time for just a few seconds, and they then sit next to the ruler, and he has a few words and says something, then you move on again. And um, I did that, was leaving, and the guy who drove me there was driving me home. He said, oh, "My boss would like to see you tomorrow morning." So I said, um, "Okay, I'll." come down this you know I'll pick you up so I went down next morning and I didn't see Sheikh Mohammed I went to, I saw someone else there he said um, Sheikh Mohammed would like you to design four football stadiums in Dubai I went um, to this the designing stadiums and they, they're called Al Ahli Shabab Al Wasl and Al Nasser and he had four sons and he gave each son a football team a football manager and a stadium Don Reavy was the manager of one of them. Yeah. So, and um, they're all in my book there, the photographs of all these stadiums. And I went there and did those. And then um, I then got work from Dubai and in the Middle East in total for so much of it, because that's, we had a big practice, as you can see, and you can't just go and get work. You can't, mm. and, and I was, a, I got more jobs and more money coming in than the other 10 partners put together. And I went on for a long, long, long time getting work done in that way. I did hotels in Spain. I did, um, in India, I did hospitals. That was one of the most inspiring things. I had Mrs. Gandhi and Mother Teresa open the hospitals in West Bengal. I had a slight difficulty there in that I couldn't, there was no hotel for me to stay in, so I had to stay in a Hare Krishna monastery. Sat on the floor, and they would come along every night and slap a leaf on the floor and slap rice on it. You eat it off, off the floor, yes. and I had to stay in the Harry Krishna Monastery. But, but um, you designed a hospital there. I designed hospitals. Yes, three hospitals in West Bengal. And Indira Gandhi and Mother Teresa came. It came, yeah. When you met them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I, was, I was with Mother Teresa. See, she could become a saint in there, but Mother Teresa in her in her convent in Calcutta, and I was sitting in there having a discussion with her, showing the model and the drawings of these things. And um, suddenly a nun came in and said, said something to her. And Mother Teresa said, sorry, I've got to go. So she rushed off and I was sitting there waiting. Then after a while she came back, she said, sorry about that. She said, it happens so often. She said, family have a sick child and they walk for days across the countryside and they bring the child, leave it on the steps of the convent for us to look after and she came back and we talked about it all and, you know, after that. And well, she was wonderful. I just thought, such a wonderful lady. And you mentioned that you were imprisoned once or twice. I was imprisoned three times. Once in Saudi Arabia. What was that once for? Once in Iraq and once in Spain. So what happened in Saudi Arabia? I had been to Dubai and I stayed on for this meeting with Don Reavy. And that meant my plane had been cancelled and my journey back. So they said to the office, look, we'll sort this out for you. We'll sort it out. So they got me a flight back. And the flight went from Dubai to Saudi Arabia, and then Saudi Arabia to Holland, and then Holland back to London. I had to do that. Anyway, I got on the plane, and the ruler's son came out and said to me, Butros, because that's my name in, in Arabic, Butros Aswad. Butros, he said, here's a little present for you. And he gave me two bottles Three bottles of whiskey, black label whiskey, a little bag because I'm sitting in a plane flying into Saudi Arabia. When we got to Saudi Arabia and I had to change flights, they said, um, 
all right, we've got to change here. So I put my, my, my whiskey under the seat and the, the guy came around, so you left your parcel behind. And I went into Saudi Arabia and they saw the bottle and they locked me away in a cell. <laughs> I said, well, you take them because they're given to me by the ruler, the son of the ruler of Dubai. And uh, you take them. Anyway, they locked the whiskey away in a room, kept me in a cell. Like four days it was in total. And then I was allowed out, saw the ambassador and all the rest. I was allowed out. I never saw my luggage again, but I did come back with three bottles of whiskey. Like to the whiskey. <laughs> and how about in Iraq? What happened there? I designed the airports in Baghdad, Basra and Erbil. And the ruler, um, the son of the ruler. Saddam Hussein? Yeah. Um, was at this meeting. He said, why is this airport not finished? There's holes in the runway. I said, but they're not holes in the runway. They're, they're caused by bombs dropped by planes from Iraq. He jumped up and he got a pistol out of his pocket, marched down the room, came me, put it to my head, marched me out of the room and put me in the cell. That was <laughs> just because I, I disagreed, told him about bombs and their runways and their time. But the bombs been from Iran? It was yeah. the Iran-Iraq war? Iran-Iran, yeah. <coughs> right. So how long were you in prison there? That was only a few days. And how about in Spain? What happened in Spain? Uh, I was building hotels in, down in Almeria, down the south of Spain. A contractor was there because you have to have a Spanish architect working with you, and it's on a hill with called schist, and that's slate, all these slate bits, and and they were building on this thing, and I was asked by the hotel company just to look at it and watch it, and I said, this is terrible, this is all going to slip down. If you, you you know you've got to do proper foundations and do the whole thing properly, and I said this is all totally wrong. That Langs were the builders. Langs had been brought in then to do it. They took me out and they said, but you're not allowed, you haven't got a Spanish architect who oversees your work. So everybody had to have a Spanish partner. And I said, you're giving orders and you don't have authority to do it. So they put me again in, in a cell in, in south of Spain. My senior partner then came to get me out. And the policeman came to me and he said, look, I'll give you some advice. He said, make this man go home. He said, because if he carries on like this, you're never going to get out of this prison. <laughs> That was in Spain. What was the biggest mistake you made in your working career? It was an unusual one. I designed Sterling Ross's house in Mayfair. And it was a, he was one of these guys that had electrically controlled everything. You know, he could turn the bath water on from his, from his bed and took the temperature he wanted and all that. And he um, did, I remember he tried to heat the toilet seat and it, it, all, it all melted. He had, he had electrically controlled garage doors. It's the first time I'd ever seen these. He had to bring a car in and park it and come out and rest it. Well, he, he, every so often he was lent a car by someone to get to be seen driving around. And he had one of these with the, the gull wing doors. You know, the DeLorean? Something like that. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. He had one of these. And he drove into the garage and the doors shut. But car doors hit the roof and he couldn't get out. He had to stay all, all night long in his car in the garage. And, um, and he blamed you. He blamed me. <laughs> Dolly Parton, I had to yep. meet in her dressing room in, in the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville because I was working for the Hospital Corporation of America. And they took me out there to see to, for the show, have dinner and a show because dinner they always have very early. And they went to see the show and they took me to her dressing room. And she, that's, she, she used this more since then, I've heard it. And she said, do you see what small feet I've got? I said, yeah, they asked for She said, do you know where that is? I said, nothing can grow in the shade. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Yeah, yes. Tell us about the cattle. You became, um, uh, you reared a herd of dexters. Dexters. What are dexters? They're short-legged cows. Yes. I bred them, showed them. Used to be farming today. Broadcast about them on the BBC. And um, how many did you have? Chairman. Well, they, they grew over the years, but I mean, I mean many. Yeah. You know, but I had eighty-eight when they were shot. Eighty-eight were shot. Why? With foot and mouth disease. And when was that? Nineteen ninety-seven. And um, I think that... Um, How did you feel when that, that happened? Well, if you... This is your life. You've done this, all these things. You know, it's, it's, not, it's a hobby. Not, I mean, I was still working all the time. And um, when I get out to the Middle East, I used to say to Jill, well, there's... I'm off now because stay at home for the weekend, go out Sunday night, fly through the night. It's Monday, Tuesday, Dubai. Wednesday, Thursday, Abu Dhabi. Thursday night, fly back again. And I used to leave Jill to the cows to look after and feed with all the hay and all the rest of it for that for, those four days once a month for 30 years. So they meant to quite a lot, but to see them in the field and hear gunshots sh- and see them loaded up into a truck and thrown into a truck and disposed of, you know, it was very, very sad and sickening. Sometime later, I was at the Buckingham Palace for the Prince's Trust. I got a little award there. And, get there and um, saw Prince Philip there. He came up and he was chatting. And he said, well, where do you live? And I told him, Englefield Green, and down Oh, I know that. He said, you go down the hill and you come into the river at the bottom. You go down, you go to Windsor. I said, that's right. He said, there's some farms down there that had foot and mouth disease. And I said, well, my farm had foot and mouth disease. I said, well, I never understood. Well, so there were my field and my cattle. And there was just an open fence this side. Not an open fence. And there were your cows on the other side. All mine were shot with foot and mouth disease. Not one of yours got anything, didn't get it. My boy, he said, that's royal prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we know each other through Ascon Sonningdale Catenians. Yes, yes. At a, an association for Catholic businessmen. Were you a founder? You were a founder member? Not there, no. I was a founder member of Runnymede. Oh, you're a founder member at Runnymede. And um, I believe you were awarded a papal medal by the Pope, is that right? Yes. What was that for? It was for. Uh, Designing all buildings, a whole range of buildings in the diocese and advising the bishop on all these different units and houses and things. And um, churches, village halls, church halls, right across from Brighton, right at the whole whole area of the diocese. Who did you meet who had a big influence on you? Who would you say was the most important influence on you in your, your early and formative years? This senior partner guy who did work for Norwich Union and all the town centres. And he trained me to do these. And the town centres were Aberdeen, Inverness, um, Glasgow, Leeds, Nottingham, Derby, Leicester, Woking, the big tall buildings in the middle of Woking, South End. So you worked on all of those? I did all of those. And um, he led me around. And what was his name? Newman Turner. And I remember being on an aircraft with him and he used to smoke pipe. And we were sitting in an aircraft flying off and he had his pipe, because then you could smoke in pain. And suddenly his suit burst into flames. He put his pipe out in his pocket. His <laughs> suit was all on fire. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely hilarious. He guided me so well. What was the moral of your life? What would you say is the great lesson you'd like to share from your experiences? Well, I, I, I don't like failing at something. And I like battling on and battling on and battling on, even though it's all... You've heard some of the things and the problems there, but I just enjoy really battling. And then and leadership, leading a team and getting all the people with me. And because I 
if you go to Dubai and you're building something, you, you take a team of about 10 people out there yeah. with you, and you're still running it and controlling it, and you're doing these different things, and then you go off Abu Dhabi, or you go to Shamal Sheikh, or somewhere like this, you do all, all these things, there's so many of them. And what's your key tip for leaders, especially leaders in a diverse environment like the Middle East? Involvement. Deep involvement with the people you're working with so that they've got confidence in you. Having got confidence in you, whether it's your team, whether it's your clients, they all have to have this this belief that you can actually achieve um, because they're giving you jobs and they're giving you money and they're guys are going out there to live out there. And um, You'll be 85 this year, I think I'm right in saying. You're so right. Yeah. What, are you, what are you focused on now? What are you, what's I'm your main activity? I'm still working hard now. Are you? Yeah, yeah. What sort of projects are you working on? I'm doing the Jehovah's Witnesses headquarters in Essex. In are Chelmsford, you? Yes. I work for some gypsies there, and I made the mother and the father a lot of money for getting planning. And I was, you know, had tremendous problems getting it through. Did get it through. The mother and father died, <clears throat> and there's five daughters. There was a son, but he committed suicide. But there's five daughters, and I'm in charge of these five daughters. I'm, I'm the, uh, they're all arguing and battling, and I'm the arbitrator of this, this Jimmy Small family. <laughs> I've loved all the things I've done, from the architecture, the firms I've worked for. The other thing I did do as a hobby was anything else, which is the Prince's Trust. Yes. And I got some medals from the Prince's Trust. Well, I was at St Paul's School in Sunbury, and I was governor there. There were five girls who wanted to be an estate agent. That was years and years ago. Got them into an estate agency, got them all working, got them there, got their jobs, got, and they set up their own estate agency company, and they're still there now. I just love that. I love working for them. And Good for you. Um, so you'll continue working indefinitely? I will. Um, okay, Peter Black, thank you very much. Thank you.